With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to the 10th season of Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme this season is Education for Heart Warriors, and we have a great show for you today. Today's show is Learning about the Function of the Heart with Katina Robolino. Katina Robolino is a 30-year-old mother of three beautiful girls, Anastasia, aged 6, Catalina, aged 4, and Elena, aged 2, and they have changed her life in so many ways. Katina is a Greek-American who moved to Texas from Connecticut. In her first year of being in Texas, their daughter Catalina had to undergo surgery to close her atrial septal defect. Two years later, their daughter Elena was born with more severe heart issues. When she's not taking care of her girls, Katina is working as a high school teacher and tutor. She and her husband try to live a normal life and allow their girls to do what makes them happy. Katina and her family live their lives one day at a time because looking to the future is worrisome. Welcome back to the show, Katina. Many of my longtime listeners will remember you from Season 6 when we did the show Seizing the Day with Katina Robolino. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. It is such an honor and also very therapeutic for myself. <laughs> it's therapeutic for me too, Katina. Well, this is going to be a fun show for us to do because both of us are teachers and I'm curious to see how you have explained the functions of the heart both to your girls and to the adults in your environment. So let's start by talking about when Catalina was born. Did you feel a bit out of your depth when your daughter was born with a congenital heart defect? Of course. I was definitely out of my field, I'll tell you that much. Being a teacher, we try and educate ourselves as much as possible. But unfortunately, my field is in history. So the human body was not something I was very familiar with besides the outside look of the human body. So on the inside, it was just very foreign and very, very cumbersome when finding out about my daughter's condition. I definitely felt overwhelmed. Right. I think it's common for those of us moms who find out after our babies are born that they have a heart defect. It definitely can be overwhelming and they don't really give us a whole lot of time to digest it before they're asking us what they want us to do. Or at least that was my situation. What was it like for you? 
it was very cumbersome, as I mentioned before, just finding out about it and feeling like I was speaking of a language to the doctor and him responding back with his big medical terms and mm-hmm. him trying to explain it and show me pictures of things I don't exactly look at all the time. Right. It was not easy. It was not easy. And then trying to understand how the heart works and just him explaining it to me over and over again, it still didn't help. It just was basically... I was here and he was like six spots above me and I just didn't understand anything. All I knew was that my daughter had a boo-boo and that was it. And there was nothing I could do to fix it. Right. And it's so devastating because we moms are expecting to be able to kiss the boo-boos away. And this was one that we couldn't kiss away. Yes. It was very hard. Yeah. And it was your first child. Second, but my first child with a heart defect. Yes. Oh, okay. So you had been a mom before, so you knew what to expect mm-hmm. when having a baby, but you didn't know what to expect with having a baby with a heart defect. Exactly, which I think makes it even more scary because you think you get it all out with the first baby and you know what to expect <laughs> with the second baby, and right. then all of a sudden a new curveball comes. Yes, and that was the same situation for me. I had Joey, and then three years later, I had Alex, and I'd already had a heart-healthy child. I wasn't expecting to have a child with this kind of problem. I'm definitely with you there. It's just not an experience anyone would want, but it's definitely one that I feel I have grown from and become a better person because of. Right, right. And so let's talk about that. How did you familiarize yourself with your daughter's heart condition? With Catalina, it was something I don't like being left in the dark. Mm-hmm. Having that feeling, knowing that my daughter had a condition and not knowing how severe it was, was something that I didn't like. And the doctors just kept telling me, well, this is not bad. This is not bad. And then I just look at him like he's speaking in a language. What do you mean this is not bad? My daughter needs to have open heart surgery. And Mm -hmm. it was then with them telling me that this wasn't such a big deal. They understand this better than we do as parents because we're not exactly going to medical school. Not all of us. It was then that I decided I was going to learn about the heart and its functions at least get a brief understanding of what her condition was and why she couldn't live a semi-normal life with not having operation. I've researched if she would be able to even get a least invasive surgery through going through her aortic valve or her artery. I wanted to make sure that that was an option versus opening her up. And it was just a lot of stress. And Mm -hmm. I felt knowledge as teachers, we think knowledge is power. And I felt like that's exactly what that was to me, knowing what was going on and being able to respond and be part of the decision for my daughter, I think made me feel better. Right. And it sounds like you did do a lot of research. So you found out the difference between an open heart procedure and a minimally invasive procedure. And unfortunately, for some of our children with atrial septal defects or ASDs, sometimes they're in a place where you can't fix it in a cath lab. And the only way to fix it is through open heart surgery. But it sounds like you did a really good job of advocating for Catalina to make sure that she was getting the least invasive surgery possible and that she would have the best outcome. Of course. I think any parent would do that. I think I received five or six different recommendations. I wanted to get second opinions, third opinions, fourth opinions. (laughs) I went to so many hospitals, so many doctors, just because I wanted to make sure that if there was a procedure out there that wasn't going to open up my child, I didn't want that. That's just something very scary to put your child's life in someone else's hands that you don't even know. Right, right. Okay, so you survived the situation with Catalina and you got 
really good information. It sounds like multiple opinions. It sounds like you were probably fairly comfortable by the time you actually made a decision. And then you had Elena. So tell us yes. what, what it was like for you to discover that Elena also had heart defects. We got pregnant with Elena. We got genetics testing. And the genetic testing was supposed to tell us the percentage of having another child that would have a CHD or congenital heart defects. And our percent was 1%, showing that it just wouldn't happen because we don't have heart defects in our family on either side. And we know our family's pretty much far as back as we can think going to great, great, great grandparents. So we're pretty educated with that. So our percent was about 1%. And what do you know? We we got that 1%. When we found out about Elena's heart condition, she wasn't born yet. So we found out preterm okay. through ultrasound, not until I was 32 weeks pregnant. Wow. Wow. So you went through most of your pregnancy thinking that you were having another perfectly healthy, normal child. Exactly. And that's kind of where the blow came, where I was yeah. just very devastated. Sure. And it wasn't something easy. I remember telling the doctor who examined me after the technician got the doctor and I was calm. I wasn't scared. I just said, oh, is this just something simple? We have to fix a hole. I said, does she have atrial septal defect like my last daughter? She has that. And then the doctor just looked at me and says, no, it's more complicated than that. And that's when oh, I no. just felt the same way I did the first time. Like, sure. oh my God, I thought I got over this hump. I just can't believe this started all over again. Oh, I can just imagine. So tell us about the benefits of having learned about the details of the heart function that you went through for Catalina. How did that help you with dealing with Elena's situation? Knowing what happened with Catalina and learning more about the heart and going through it the first time, I definitely felt more ready to go speak to the doctors and know which hospitals to go to and get those second opinions from more practice people. Mm -hmm. Because again, this was such a more complicated heart condition. I wanted to make sure I was going somewhere where I felt comfortable. Sure. We spoke to other people. We joined support groups. Definitely a lot more prepared because we were able to know where to look for the information. But what prepared me most was when the doctor explained the condition to me, I knew exactly what parts of the heart he was talking about. And when he drew the picture, I kind of had an idea. But I think what really made me feel better was knowing what questions to ask. Right, right, because you'd already been through it before. So what was Elena's diagnosis? Elena was born with tricuspid stenosis with preliminary atresia. And after her surgery for the stump procedure, we found out she had underdeveloped coronary arteries on her left side. Oh, yeah. uh, so that was added with it, which is what put her on the transplant list. But we didn't know that until after she was on ECMO, which is basically a machine that is life support. Uh, mm -hmm. It oxygenates the blood for you. And she was on that for about two weeks. So that's when oh, we found wow. out about the other condition. So her heart was very, very weak. Wow. It does seem lucky, though, for you that you were so well-versed in the ways of the heart and the questions that you needed to ask before your child would have an open-heart surgery. And in a way, maybe it was better for you that you had Catalina first because it wasn't quite as life-threatening. It sounds like it was much more life-threatening with Elena. It was. I didn't research other defects. I just researched the one and I knew how the heart works. And I, I don't want to say I know 
expertly how the heart works. I just have a brief understanding because we definitely know there's a lot of things that I'll never know or well, sure. remember. Yeah, but, right. You know, but you had a much better understanding after Catalina went through what she did than before you had Catalina. So oh, we need, of course. We need to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk to Katina about how she's actually taught to her children about their heart defects. So don't leave. We'll be right back. The most common theme that I hear is why. She always needed um, a lot of attention. She had strokes. Even though it's a natural inclination to withdraw from the CHD community, I think being a part of it helped me be part of the solution. Heart to Heart with Michael. Please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern. I'm Michael Lieben, and I'll be your host as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is learning about the function of the heart, and we're here with Katina, the mother of two children with congenital heart defects and one heart-healthy child, and she's been telling us about how she discovered her children had heart defects and how she educated herself about their conditions and about the function of the heart. So now we're going to talk to her about how she actually teaches her own children about their hearts. So, Katina, here we are, both of us teachers. <laughs> and so I'm sure that has influenced how you talk to your daughters about their hearts. So why don't you tell me how it is that you do talk to your girls about their heart conditions? It's all about knowing your audience. And we know that as teachers, we need to know how to speak, how to explain things and how much detail you can give. We all know that most kids around ages nine and younger only have an attention span of about five to seven minutes. Mm -hmm. And as you get older, it increases. So that's definitely one thing that's important to know as a teacher, but also as a parent who's trying to explain something okay. is know your audience. Uh, what I did was when Catalina was older and we started to go ahead and go do the checkups with the ultrasounds and with all of the other stuff combined, including the echoes, we started talking to her about why it's getting done. And we explained to her, showed her her scar, showed her why, what it was for, why it happens, and explained that her heart had a boo-boo, but it was fixed. And how old was she when you first did this, Katina? She was about three years old. We figured okay. she's old enough to understand things um, and mm -hmm. old enough to ask questions that she wanted to know. Right. She would ask, why do I have this? And we told her, well, when you were born, you had a boo-boo in your heart. And she asked why. And we told her sometimes the body doesn't work well and it just created a hole. And then she asked, what was a hole? <laughs> so <laughs> and then yeah, we it's not like her. the hole you dig outside for planting flowers. Yeah. <laughs> so then we showed her. So I just took a piece of paper and poked a hole through it and said, this, this is what a hole is. And this is what your heart has. And she said, okay. And that was it. You know, and I don't want to push more on her. I figure right. as she gets older, I'll tell her more when she's ready. Sure. That makes sense. Now, Elena is only two. Yes. So have you started talking to her about her heart defect or not yet? No, not yet. Unfortunately, Elena, because she was on ECMO, she is behind. So she is two, 
but she's not to her level of a two-year-old. So right. we haven't even touched it. I think what we do, though, is we try and find ways to comfort her when we go to appointments by doing things that she likes or preparing her. But Elena knows where she is and when she is. She knows the building. She has white coat syndrome. <laughs> when she sees a white coat, she knows she's in the hospital and she just shuts down. So Aww. I think with her, it's going to be a little bit different because of her experience being so different compared yeah. to Catalina. It's going to have to be another way. And again, that's going back to knowing your audience. She's sure. not going to be ready for that yet. Right, right. Now, what about your heart healthy daughter? She's older than the other two girls. How have you explained to her that her sisters have heart problems? Well, that that's a really good question. Well, with Anastasia, when we spoke to her about the issues, we definitely knew she was old enough to understand what was going on, but still too young to understand the effects. So. Right. We spoke to Anastasia privately and we sat her down and we talked to her about the body. And then we asked her to find parts on her body, like her toes and her hands and her. And then we asked her, you know, where's your heart? And she goes, oh, it's in your body. And then we showed her where we had her touch it. When Catalina had the workup to the heart, they gave us a stethoscope to take home for free. So we took it. And we use that for Anastasia to hear her heart and to understand what it's for. We didn't go into too much detail because at the time, Anna was about three years old or three and a half. Okay. So we had her listen to the heart and we told her the heart is important because it keeps your body healthy. And we let her ask questions. The only question she asked was, well, what's Catalina's boo-boo? And then we showed her a piece of paper and said, pretend this is your heart. And we poked a hole through it and we says, this is the problem with Catalina. We need to go ahead and fix the hole. And she just said, I know how to fix it. And then she just put tape over it. And I said, well, that's basically, she goes, I'm like, well, that's basically what we're doing. So, you know, and then that's it. And then she didn't seem any more interested than that. But it sounds like she had a very natural, loving, nurturing response to it. She didn't seem afraid. She didn't worry that she was going to quote unquote catch it. It yeah. sounds like instead you just handled it in a very matter-of-fact way, and then she went on. And I had the same experience with my son, just like Anna. My son Joey's three years older than his brother with a heart defect. And you know, at three, they have powerful imaginations. So I felt like it was really important to just stick to the facts with him and not let him imagine for himself that it was something much worse. Of course. Yeah. So how do you think learning about their hearts has impacted your daughters? It sounds like they're still very young, but do you feel that telling them about their hearts has had an impact on their lives? I do. With Catalina, we talked to her about why the heart's so important and why she has to stay healthy. So Catalina sometimes will come up and ask me and goes, Mommy, is this healthy? Can I eat this? Um, will this hurt me? So, I mean, we tell her because her heart still is not totally fixed, but it's okay for her to be able to do things. She still has some issues that were she has leaking. So mm -hmm. we still have to watch it, but it can be, still be fixed with medication. So right now we're on medication to help with the squeezing of our heart. And that is Enelopril, which is, I think is a really popular medication that most kids are on. So, you know, we explain to her what's going on and we talk to her about how she has to stay healthy and the eating right and how it's going to help her heart and prevent things from happening. And it's really helped out a lot. So 
she's definitely asked questions. She is concerned about her heart because she knows she had a surgery and she understands, but I don't know how she's going to react if she has to have another one. But she does really great at the echoes and she just sits there and just lets them do what they want. So I just think it sometimes also depends on the kids. She's a pretty mellow child. So I've been blessed with that. Yes, it does sound like you've been very blessed with that. So we need to take another quick break, but don't leave yet, friends, because when we come back, we're going to talk to Katina a little bit about her advice for parents and for their children. We'll be back after this brief break. Home Tonight Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. When I saw so many of these CHG groups growing, I found family just ready to join me. Anyone who is a member of the adult congenital heart defect community can be a guest on our show. We have a great year planned and we look forward to sharing other interesting topics. Heart to Heart with Nicole and David, serving the ACHD community, Wednesdays at noon Eastern. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is learning about the functions of the heart, and we're here with Katina Robolino. She's been sharing with us about how her children have been empowered by understanding their heart defects a little bit better. And now I want to talk to you, Katina, about advice that you have for parents who are new to the heart community. What resources do you feel are available for them that can help them learn about their children's heart defects? Well, thank you so much. I think that's a great question. I feel one of the best things to do would be to join a support group, not after your child gets surgery, but definitely before. Even if you're preterm, feel joining a support group with people who have gone through it. You won't feel so intimidated asking questions because you feel at the same level. Whereas with nurses and doctors, you feel very intimidated because you don't want to feel that you're not educated about it and you look like a poor mother or father to those doctors, which isn't the case, but that's how I felt. Like, oh my God, I don't know what to ask these people. I feel like right. like a bad person. I feel like a bad parent not knowing what to ask. So I feel like support groups are great because you can ask those questions. Hey, what are some good questions to ask for our pre-op? What are these good questions? that the support groups that I'm on have been so great and so open and so sharing, which have definitely been helpful even after surgery because they help me with when my kids are sick or when I have questions about school. So I think it's so important. That's one thing I would do, support groups. Can you tell our listeners where they might find some of these support groups? Do you go to -to face-to-face support groups or online? I use online just because of my schedule being so busy with little kids. I use Facebook. There are so many out there. You can join a number of them. I belong to the Texas Children's, the TCH Heart Moms. And that's been great because it's just for moms and parents who actually have their kids going to the same hospital. So we can kind of get intel of what's going on and if there's a delay. So it kind of helps us kind of plan things a little 
So that's been very helpful for me. But online, I feel like is more accommodating to a lot of parents, especially those who have medical problems, because you just go on and you can check it when you have free time to yourself versus going by appointment. Right, right. And for some of us, going back into a hospital setting can trigger PTSD or panic attacks or anxiety. And that's the nice thing about being in your pajamas at your house yes, with a definitely. cup of cocoa. <laughs> it's not so intimidating. You don't relive some of those bad moments that you might have had at a hospital. Although I helped start a support group in Austin. And so I am all for face-to-face meetings too. It really is nice, especially when you can have events where you can see children of different ages. And when you're wondering, will my child make it to five? Will my child make it to 10? And if they do, what will they look like? When you see other people's children who have made it to those ages, for me, I found that really inspiring. It is. I feel like that's a really great thing to have, but also to have, you know, parents understand where you're coming from. Because we've all had those parents that don't really understand where we're coming from, especially with Elena being a transplant patient, when I want to go to birthday parties and they find it rude that I'm asking if your child's vaccinated. Well, it is a little, yes, personal, but it's my daughter's health and she can get very sick. And I feel like if you can't understand that, then unfortunately, then we can't be friends. Right. There are definitely some things that only another heart mom really totally gets. Yes. (laughs) And I think that's why we feel like friends after only talking to each other for a short period of time because we've walked down that same path. So tell me what advice you would give to parents about teaching their children about their own condition. As a teacher, you've been doing it with preschool age children, but can you tell us what advice you would give for parents of maybe elementary and older age children as well? Of course. I feel that, again, knowing your audience and knowing your child, and we all know our children and we know what they can handle and what they can't handle. If you feel that your child should know everything, then put it into small bits, put them into small parts, because sometimes your child is going to go ahead and stop listening once they find something out that scares them. And you're talking and you think they're paying attention, but they're just worrying about what's going to happen. So taking Mm -hmm. small breaks in between, not giving everything in one day. Also talking to your child and preparing them for what they're going to experience, what happens on surgery day, and kind of taking a look at your child and knowing when to give that information. I don't Mm -hmm. think that you should give that information up front right away, in my opinion, just from what I've experienced. I feel like the smaller the child, I feel the less you should share, unless you feel sharing more, because with the little kids, less is more. And you just kind of warm them up as you kind of get to it and take it step by step that way. But with elementary, I would think more like fifth or sixth grade, I feel talking to them about the body, asking them how they feel versus going ahead and saying, well, this is what's going to happen. And that's just it. Feel talking to them about how they feel, what they're afraid of. So this way you could work through it with them together and as well make them feel comfortable. I feel that's important because kids are scared. I mean, they really don't understand things. So I feel getting them prepared and feeling comfortable is important. That's what I feel it should be working on and having them ask questions, even though they may seem silly to you, but it's important to them and not taking it with a grain of salt, but taking it seriously, I also feel is very important. Mm -hmm. Like one of the questions you know, my daughter asked me was, am I going to die? And she was only what, four years old. And she asked me this recently, wow. am I going to die? Wow. I, and I, 
didn't brush it off. I just talked to her and told her, no, you're not going to right now. And then if she had more, I would answer. So just take everything seriously because to them, that's how they're feeling and brushing it off is going to kind of push them away from wanting to talk to you about it. And you don't want them getting information from an unreliable person. Right, right. You want them to be able to feel that they can come to you if they have questions or concerns. So I agree with that. And I think every child is different. I'm sure you've noticed a big difference between Anna and Catalina and Elena. I know I just have two children and they're both so different. Alex wants all the facts. He's my scientist. He wants everything laid out very scientifically. Joey's my go with the flow kid. (laughs) So they're so different. And yet Joey had concerns about his little brother and wanted to make sure that everything was okay. And Joey was actually very, very sweet when it came to Alex being in the hospital and wanted to make sure that we were doing the best that we could to take care of him. So I felt like I had to spend extra time reassuring Joey that we were doing everything we could for Alex, but we didn't know if he was going to make it. And I'm sure you had that concern with Elena too. You don't want to tell the kids, of course, your sister will be back, or in our case, that your brother will be back when we weren't sure. So all we could do was we took pictures of the doctors and nurses and showed them to Joey and said, look at all the great people working with Alex. We're all doing the best we can. Of course. Yeah. And it's definitely one thing that is really hard to explain, mm-hmm. especially when you don't know what's going to happen. And we didn't know either. We were told right. if we didn't get a heart within a week, Elena wasn't going to make it. So I wow. think that was hard. And, you sure. know, dealing with other kids, you're trying to put a brave face on. So I think another yeah. thing I would tell to parents would be to look for resources inside the hospital because they are experts and they do have things available to you to help explain things to your children. And they have a scientific way to explain it to them by easing it. Because if you don't know what to do, reaching out to hospital staff and giving you the right people to help you out with that so you have less to worry about, I think is also very important as well. Other advice I would give, they do have staff that prepares your child and also can evaluate them to see if they're ready to go up and see their brother or sister. And I think that yep. that's really helpful advice. They just have different departments that deal with this. And right, it right. Is like helpful. child life specialists who yes. that's their job is not mm-hmm. only to care for the child who's in a hospital, but they actually, in our experience, they also tried to take care of Joey as well and took him to the playroom and answered his questions. And I thought it was really, really helpful to have child life there. And also just the whole social work department is also very helpful. So I think you're right. Using the resources that your hospital has and don't feel like it's all on you. And I noticed as, as Alex was growing up too, that his pediatric cardiologist was really good about explaining things to him on his level. Like you said, you have have to know your audience. And if Joey looked concerned or scared, the cardiologist was quick to reassure him as well. And I thought that was really helpful. Yes. And definitely involving your children in bits and pieces of the experience, I think are very helpful to make them see that they're helping in some kind of way where I would have Anna and Lena, when I brought Elena home, I would have them help me. They would each have little jobs to make sure things were okay with their sister. So this way they felt like I wasn't ignoring them because I felt that was one of the hardest things to deal with is, am I neglecting my other two? Because this one does need more help. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm a real proponent of making the whole family part of the care team and that everybody has a role, even the children. I think that Joey was a big part of the healing process. I do agree with that because when Elena came home, I feel like that if 
she was my first child, I do feel her healing process would be a lot slower. The siblings, I can definitely say, pushed her in in a positive way, pushed her to want to get better, to want to be with them, to want to play with them. So I feel Elena has come so far because she wants to be with her sisters. And it's just completely organic how it happens. Mm -hmm. You're not forcing it on each other. And your daughter or son knows when to stop. They're not going to want to hurt themselves. They do have that fear. So it's very, very organic and it grows really well. And I feel like it's a really great experience. But to those who only have one child, it's just to take it slow and take it one day at a time and just know it's okay to not know everything, but just know where to look to get the information I feel is important because you don't want to be asking the wrong people, even as adults. You're absolutely right. I love it. I love all that advice. It's great advice. And there is so much available online, especially compared to 22 years ago when I was going through this. We had no online community. So this to me is fabulous that we have so many resources that we can reach out to people all around the world, but who might have children with the same heart defect or who are going through something similar to what you are. It really helps to know that you're not alone. Don't you think, Katina? I do. It's definitely gotten me through a lot. I just can't be nothing but thankful. Me too. Oh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Like I said before, it's just very helpful to me. and I feel so good being able to help others as well. Me too. Me too. Well, thank you so much. And that does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today, friends. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern time. And until then, please find and follow our radio show on YouTube. You can find my channel by looking up my name, Anna Jaworski. My deaf kids used to say it's three little words, jaw or ski, J-A-W-O-R-S-K-I. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.